Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of the world's funniest comedians. This is Comedy Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. Welcome, world. I know that you know. But I still like to set it up. I still like to tell you guys what we're doing here. We're getting into the minds of comedians. Here's the beautiful thing about comedians, man. There's so many different levels to them. So many different levels. You got greats. You got legends. You got you got beginners. You got, I mean, you got first timers. I mean, it just goes on and on. On and on. But on this show, I'll have the privilege of talking to a legend. To a great I'm talking about my brother, Steve Harvey, ladies and gentlemen. I shouldn't even say brother. My unk slash brother. Brother is disrespectful. I've been calling you unk for years, and there's great reason for the for the word and amazing definition behind it. Welcome, Steve Harvey, to the show, ladies and gentlemen. What's going on, Steve? My man. What's up, little brother? Hey, man. I, I can't call it. I cannot call it, but I'm excited. I'm excited, Steve, because I consider you not only a friend, but I consider you a mentor. And I mean that. I don't just say it to say it, but I really mean that. I've watched the way you've moved and navigated in this business of entertainment. And it is, it's mind blowing. You know, it's, it's school for free if you choose to take the classes. <laughs> and I mean that. It's sure. school for free. You have, you, in my opinion, are the first comedian to truly make this make this lane a business mm -hmm. i stand on that you wow. made it a business and you showed that this business can open up more doors to other businesses and other opportunities man and i'm excited i'm excited about this conversation because i'm not sure how many people know how much of a businessman Steve Harvey is. Um, I guess I start off, I guess I got to start off by, by talking comedy and, and, and just getting your feeling on comedy today. How do you feel about the state of comedy today, Steve? Well, you know, man, uh, it's, it's, it's changed a bit. Uh, it has. Uh, I think the young cats out there now that's actual comedians, are at a bit of a disadvantage because when I started in 85, uh, it was probably the apex of comedy clubs. You know what I mean? You could go everywhere and get work, man. The Punchline, the Funny Bone, uh, uh, the Comedy Zone. Man, I mean, it was clubs. You could you could go with on the John Yoder tour, 
for six weeks and never go back home. You could go do the Comedy Zones, man, for 13 weeks. And you could do Tom Sobel for 13 weeks, 12 weeks, and never go home. One-nighters. And you would do one-nighters Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Then you would hit comedy clubs Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And some of these gigs, man, was like 13 hours away. And you was rolling. It was 100 bucks, you know. But it, but you had a chance to perfect your craft on mm. a nightly basis all over the country. Mm. What's happened now, man, is this the lack of comedy clubs and venues and then the addition of social media kind of hurts the young guys today because, you know, somebody tape your show and put it online and now you get there with your set you've been working on for six months and the whole audience that saw your damn show because mm-hmm. they, they downloaded it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the business we in, Kev, ain't like singing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, look, <laughs> you go see Luther, you go see Jay-Z, you want to hear the hits. Don't nobody want to hear your damn hit in comedy. <laughs> you know, we're we not finna laugh at this the way we did when we heard it. So you got to have new stuff, man. So that's also, the disadvantage. I mean, there's also a major, there's a major disadvantage just from the point of, you know, when you talk about social media, you talk about the impact. Of course, there's good, but then there's bad. And for that younger comedian, you know, the younger comedian, your, your, your young set gets taped and it's not a confident you. It's not a, it's not mm. a good version of you and that, that thing mm. gets put out there and the reaction to that thing mm. isn't good. It 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 acts as a blow. A blow yeah. to the ego, a blow to the choice, mm-hmm. a, a blow to 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 your drive. I mean, mm. you know, those things cause major setbacks. So I definitely understand that. It's crazy that you say you started in 85, you know, yeah. because you started in an era where comedy was really the shit. Yeah, man. This is this is when comedy. You know, when you talk about that that period from eighty five, let's just let's just go eighty five to like ninety seven. Yeah, man. You know, before you got into two thousand, that's when comedy. You know, I don't think there were cooler individuals in entertainment. Yeah, you had your singers and rappers, of course. Yeah, (laughs) but but what we were doing, and I shouldn't even say we because this is I wasn't in this group. What you guys were doing was shaping and molding the craft to be looked at differently. Yeah, but we're Kevin, making it an event. But you were in that, you were in that group, man, that was watching it. And you were just making your way. You were just starting out in clubs. Cause I remember you well, man. I said, man, who is this little dude right here, man, that's out here trying these jokes like this? You would stand on the stage with the mic and have your foot on the base, on the base of the mic, and just be standing there. And I said, man, this little dude, he got something to him. He he gonna get there one day because you know all the rooms that were available were were just white rooms, you know. Mm-hmm. So you had to have your comedy kind of set a, a little bit up. You know, like, look, man, when I got started, it was just white rooms. I was the first black comedian to go to a radio station in the South. And a matter of fact, it was WBLX in Mobile, Alabama, and go to the radio station and say, hey, man, I'm going to be at this comedy club and we ought to do a black night. And they were just looking at me. But because I was on the Apollo, they said, oh, this dude was on the Apollo. 
he down here in Mobile. They would let me sit on the radio with them for four hours and promote a show. So I went to the comedy club who used to give out comp passes and I asked them, could we do a radio night? Well, it was 93 BLX. So I said, let's charge them 93 cent on Thursday night. They normally paper the club, which means give out comp pass and then they just make drinks and chicken wing money, right? So mm -hmm. I got them to let the blacks in for 93 cent. Now I told the white dude that owned the club, I said, look here, man. You got to get this change for these people because they're going to want they seven cent. If they give you this dollar, <laughs> you know, they're going to want this seven cent. It, nah, it won't be a big problem. The first 15 minutes at the door, they had to go next door to the grocery store to get this change because black people said, you said 93 cent. They, not, they want that seven dollars. <laughs> <laughs> they want that seven cent. <laughs> and the dude was catching hell. But I filled the club up on the Thursday night. And that was rare back in the day because mm -hmm. you didn't get the full crowds until the weekend because it was such a date night. So I was the first one to start that. And then I started implementing it in Atlanta. And then I started doing it in Florida. And I started introducing black comedy nights back in 87. That's when black nights started, man. Jesus Christ. Steve, here's here's the question. Mm -hmm. And this is this is one, this is one for me. I mean. My listeners, of course, you guys get the privilege of of taking this answer uh, and running with it as well. But what what I love what I love to what I love to know when I talk to people like yourself is for you. When did you know? Oh shit! I'm 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 I think I'm making it right now. I think this is it. I think this is the definition of making it. I think right now. This is my opportunity to truly blow. What for you? What was that thing that made you say, "Oh shit, it's about to get real. It's about to change." I got you. It was uh for me, man. I had been doing it for some years, and uh, cause I quit my job abruptly. I won amateur night October eighth, nineteen eighty five. I went to work the next day. I won fifty dollars. And a girl had took me to this comedy club named Gladys Jacobs. And on the way home, I cried for 40 minutes all the way home. I had won $50 at amateur night. First time on stage as a comedian. She says, why are you crying? It ain't but $50. I said, no, you don't understand. I'm, I'm born tonight. I'm 27 years old. This wow. is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. She said, boy, you just got $50. I said, no, you don't understand. I've been waiting on this. I've been talking to God, something, man. Show me something. Give me something, because my life ain't nothing, man. I had flunked out of college, man. I, it, I was tripping, man. And so when I won that money and I got on the show, I started working. I quit my job the next day. I went to work the next day and told dude I'm a comedian. Wow. <laughs> Harvey, take your box and go back in there and sit down at your desk and stop this foolishness. You're young. You've got family. You've got these two little beautiful girls. Don't do this nonsense. He talked me right back out. I took that box right back in there and set it on my desk. <laughs> and this dude named Russell Middlebrooks, he looked at me and he said, damn, Harv, so you're going to let this white boy just tell you that? I said, well, man, I got a family. He said, man, but you funny, though. You won that $50, man. I went back in there, put my box in. I shook his hand and thanked him, and I took out on the road. The first year, I made $3,000. Mm. The second year, I made about $5,600. And the third year, I made about $7,000. So now, I'm homeless because I, no, I ain't got enough money to sustain. Mm. 
Me and my wife had ran into some problems, you know, causing my decision to leave. I was sending money to the house best I could, but I ain't have much. And so when I sent it home, I didn't have nothing. So I'm homeless. So I got, I sent a tape to the Apollo one night and uh, they called me. And it was like in 91, 92, something like that. And I went up there to the Apollo, broke, didn't have no money. And I won. I met that night, man, in the club, in the Apollo Theater, was a guy named Dwayne Johnson. Now, it wasn't The Rock. They've written that I met The Rock that night. It went, Dwayne Johnson was a comedian out of Chicago. Okay. I met this other dude named Jamie Foxx. And we were there the first night together. I didn't know Jamie. Jamie didn't know me. 91, we wasn't nobody, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody got booed that night. And I was on the last show. And I went out there and I got a standing ovation. And the dude said, man, you're going to get $750 for performing tonight. We're going to send the check. Now, I'm standing there looking crazy because I got $35 left. Hey, partner, man, so. I, I, nobody told me that they was giving out checks. I went, hey, man. So I, hey. what you mean you going to mail it? I'm, 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 I'm right I'm here. I'm confused. I don't think you need to do that. If you want, you can just give it to me because <laughs> I'm right I'm right here, so I don't think. Damn, come on! I don't. What you? I can't pay about? taxes on none yeah. of this. What, what you, you talking about? I don't have a checking account. Yeah. I'm homeless. How, you give me this you? check. I got to drive all the way to Cleveland to cash it at my mama bank. Partner, this <laughs> Chuck Sutton felt sorry for me, man, and gave me seven hundred fifty dollars cash. When it aired, Kevin, I was doing a comedy club. It aired the night I was doing the comedy club and I was on stage late. It aired. I came off stage. The club owner said, oh, my God, I just saw you on television. You were terrific. And the I joke was born. I wrote this joke about Mike Tyson. I know that joke. Yeah. I was talking to you. Yes. That was it. And Kevin, after that, every comedy club in the country was looking for me. And I said, man, I'm going to make it because I was about to give up, man. And that was a turning point for me. Now, money-wise, I wasn't making it, but mm-hmm. I had the idea that I could at that particular moment. I mean, isn't it amazing how something something as simple, simple as your first television appearance, mm. takes you by storm mm-hmm. and, and, and opens up the doors that are that are simply leading to more doors, right? Because it's mm. not it's not as if it all it didn't all happen for you. <laughs> Come on, man. At the Apollo, it didn't all happen, but the door that door that was open, it just it puts you it puts you on a it puts you on a floor that had a hallway full of more fucking doors. Come on, man. Right, bro. More doors and and Steve, I know your story. I know I know your story, man. And it's so inspiring because you're a guy that's taking his punches mm. and there's nothing that I can respect more than a person that's taking punches. And that's literally taking a knee and got up every time and found a way to come back and block them same punches. Kevin, there's a poem by Rudyard Kipling called if there's a stanza in that poem that says, If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss, lose and start again at your beginnings and never once breathe a word about your loss. Mm. That stanza right there, man, has kept me through all the difficult times. And I'm going to tell you, audience, something about you. All those difficult moments, I've gotten a phone call from Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, don't let this get up in your head, man. You all right. Brother, you called me, man, at some, at some moments, man, where they was out there eating me alive. Mm-hmm. You understand? I mean, they was dogging me. But that spirit in you, man, this dude that said, hey, man, I respect what you did, your hustle. I watched you, man. I love you, man. And, you know, you, you, you asked me certain questions. I give it to you. But you took every stick of advice I gave you. And I'm going to tell you something, Kevin Hart. You done ran with it like ain't nobody in the game today. You are the giant you are because of, let's just look at this right now. You ain't got to do no podcast. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. But you constantly reinventing yourself. Mm-hmm. See, you didn't get to be a, a stand-up, a giant in stand-up, and then get some movies and then stop doing stand-up. So you did that pattern I did. I don't quit no jobs. I stack jobs. Mm-hmm. See, I got more than one source of income coming in. So when they when, when they take me off of this show and take me off that show, I, you know why I keep rolling? Because I got another show. I got something else to do, partner. You're canceling my life. (laughs) And if they keep canceling shows, guess what? Ladies and gentlemen, from Cleveland, Ohio, Steve Harvey, I'm back. I still got it. (laughs) Partner, I still got it. I go out there and mop their ass if I want to. I got an hour right now, partner. I can fill up. Hey, Kale, I can put 10,000 seats anywhere. I got to do a say I'm coming. Yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the greatness of this gift that God has given us. Look, man, we tell jokes for a living. You know how hard that is? Pa, you got to be a special dude. See, this is the only craft that you can't go to school for. You can't take no lessons. You can take piano lessons, voice lessons, acting lessons, dancing lessons. You can go to school, be an architect. You can go to school, fix people's teeth. You can go to school, man, to make buildings. You can go to school, man, learn how to paint. You cannot carry your ass to school for this thing that we do. I had a little white boy one time. uh, I was doing a college. He came up to me and said, hey, I'm going to be what you're going to be one day. I said, okay, congratulations. I'm taking a course. I said, you taking what course? He said, offering a comedy course at the college here. I said, partner, when you get through taking that course, there ain't a course you can take. When your ass get through, you're going to be funny. Mm. You born this way, man. Mm-hmm. This is a God-given gift. And what you've done is you've taken this gift and you've layered it. You've taken your gift as a tree trunk and you become an actor, an activist. Uh, you you in nutrition and fitness. You 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 still do stand up. You a philanthropist, man. You done took your gift because you are Kevin Hart. Like right now, dog, you the giant. You the lion out here in the field. You the dude. You can say what you want. When they need a comedy star in a the movie, they can go 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 get Kevin. Well, go get Kevin. Well, how they ain't gonna come get me? I ain't really no good actor. You know, I ain't short, dog. I ain't none of that. <laughs> I can't even just, I'll be, I be in Jumanji. What am I finna do? I don't look like Rock. I'm standing next to Rock looking older and more out of shape than I am. You done got your ass in shape. You take your shirt off. I saw you doing some uh, push-ups where you bouncing the air and slapped in your trainer's hand. I went to the gym. I got my trainer. I said, hey, man, I'm going to show you this move Kevin Hart did. My trainer <laughs> looked at me and said, we're not going to do that. Do that because you're going to need your teeth. <laughs> Steve, where did the, where the, where the business mind come from? Where did, the, where did that come from? You know, like, is that like, is, is that is that a family trait? Is that a 
is it is it street smarts that 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 you just turned into you know a, a, a high level of common sense and said I'm going to grab relationships and use these relationships to catapult like where did the business mind come from you know well, your your whole approach to this craft to this world it's it's a business perspective okay like check this out man I was sitting down one time and I got the thoughts, okay, man, what's the best way to attack this? So I took show business and I broke it down into two words. I said, okay, Steve, if you're going to be in show business, you got to have a really good show to stay in show business. But if you don't have the business to go with it, ain't nobody going, you know, it's hard. I don't know how to negotiate my contracts. I don't know how to ask for how much. I don't know how to turn myself into a draw. I had to make myself a draw in these comedy clubs so I could get a door deal instead of the 1500 they was paying everybody else. And I had two phone lines hooked up to my mama's house. And if you call this number on my little card I had, hey, this is, uh, this is Dave Sellers. I represent Steve Harvey. I'm out of office right now. Please leave a message. I'll call you right back. Uh, gave, the, gave it like it was the office. So then boom. So then when they call that number, when I called back, I was Dave Sellers. If I needed to try to get an article in the paper, I was Peter Sellers. It's Peter Sellers, uh, representing Steve Harvey. He's going to be in town this weekend. <laughs> he's been on uh, the Showtime at the Apollo once and love to do an article, let everybody know he's coming. All right, Mr. Sellers. And that's how I did it. I was everybody, man. That, that produced a businessman in me. And like yourself, I just constantly, man, kept trying to find ways to reinvent myself. You know, I can't just tell these jokes and get rich, rich. Yeah. I need something else. Guys, real quick, let's take a quick commercial break, man. The conversation is heavy, heavy. And when they're heavy, sometimes you just need to, you need to take a break, get some air, because I want to make sure you're receiving the gems that are being dropped. We're inside the mind of Steve Harvey. We'll be back after this. This is Comedy Gold Mines with host Kevin Hart. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? <coughs> or just a horrible accident? <coughs> That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a Slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags, because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Vacation, 
now more from Kevin Hart on Comedy Gold Mines. We are back, man. We're back and we're talking to the legend himself, Mr. Steve Harvey. Steve, how how did it come from? I mean, like, was was the radio a conscious decision? Did it did it fall on your lap? Did the opportunity present itself and you just seized the moment? Or was there a plan to get to the radio? Well, it was a combination of that, you know, because like, you know, people describe your success. He lucky, man. Lucky. No, man, there's no such thing as luck when it comes to business. When hard work bumps up into opportunity, mm. that's what other people describe as luck. But if you're working hard at your craft, there's some opportunity that's going to come up that's going to marry you to it. Like radio came about back actually in 94 when I set in for uh, uh, Doug, uh, what's this cat's name in Chicago? Uh, he used to work with Tom Joyner. Doug Banks. Mm. I sat in on the Doug Banks show on WGCI in radio. And because I was promoting myself at all jokes aside, this black comedy club in Chicago. So I sat in on the show uh, as a guest and then he got sick and left. And they said, man, what are we going to do? So when he got sick, they said, hey, Steve, could you just stay here until the shift is over? Well, I, my show is at eight. But I, the shift wasn't over. He worked. He was from two to six in the afternoon. So I did real good. So Doug didn't come next day. So they said, could you come tomorrow and sit in for Doug? Well, cool. I can sell some more tickets to my show. I sat in for Doug. That led to a contract in 1994 to become the morning drive guy at WGCI. Wow. Now, that contract paid me $1 million. Wow. A million dollars. Wow. What? 1994, pimp, I'm signing this paper without a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I signed that paper so fast. <laughs> Kevin, a million dollars. Wow. Who y'all talking to? And while I was doing the show, somebody called me and said, hey, we have a TV show that we'd like for you to do called Me and the Boys out in LA. And then that happened off of that. Wow. And so I only did radio for one year because I couldn't keep getting up at 3 a.m. in the morning in LA to do the radio show back in Chicago. So I fell out, but I kept radio in my heart. And then Kings of Comedy, man, it, my career just, I did Steve Harvey's Big Time. I did the Steve Harvey show, me and Sid doing Steve Harvey show. Next thing you know, this dude named Walter Latham come, we all selling 5,000 seaters out back then, you know, me, Bernie and Sid. And dude said, we're gonna do start doing basketball arenas. We said, what? You must be nuts, though. You can't sell no basketball arena for comedy. Say, yeah, yeah, y'all can. He signed us up, and uh, he told us how much he was going to pay us a night. And we was looking at each other like, man, is this dude crazy? Man, it's 1996. You can't pay nobody that kind of money, man. And then I'm going to bonus y'all. Man, the first year, man, we sold so many tickets. We sold out every basketball arena with yeah. no social media, and we didn't have no... No, nobody did an article on us that we just like a chitlin circuit. And next year we added DL. And then the third year, a dude from uh, USA Today, a black dude came to see us at the MCI Center. We had sold out 40 and we had sold 64,000 tickets in four nights. And he said, man, anybody ever did an article on y'all? We said, no. He did the article and that was it. Kings of Comedy blew up. It, it's insane because, you know, I had said on and... Me and Seth were talking. I said, dude, the, the craziest thing was the level of fame that you guys had reached 
as comedians during the Kings of Comedy tour. And I said, you know, the perception that came with your presence was one of greatness. Like you guys Mm. were suited and booted. And I'm Mm. talking about the best suits, the best (laughs) hats, the best shoes. You know, it was the private planes. You guys were in limos. You got, what the fuck? This is jokes. (laughs) This don't, no, not jokes ain't supposed to bring this. We never (laughs) saw it. And what I made said, realized, I said, you got to think we didn't see it. Like outside of Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy's raw, he gave you a visual of what he was like when he was touring. But outside of that, you never saw it. Mm. We never saw Martin go on tour. We saw you so crazy, but we never saw the tour. We never Mm. saw that life. We never saw Mm. it. So you guys were the first black men, especially, but in general, in general, when you say comedy, you can say Dice Clay back then because Dice mm. Clay was big and Dice mm. Clay had a following and he was touring. But mm. you guys were the first group that attached yourself to comedy and did it at the highest level until the date. One of the highest wow. tours of all time until this date. Mm-hmm. I know the numbers. Alone, until you came along. I've done I've done well, but I'm going to give the flowers where the flowers should be given to. I can't <laughs> I can't do that if y'all didn't do what you did. And I man, can't I, look. That's the thing about you, man. You've always been respectful of the of the of the process of the kings. Every time I see you, man, you you up in us. You know, it's like dudes don't even understand, man, what that was back then. And you like, you, hey, man, you bringing it home to me because I forgot, man. We was on private jets. Do you know, man? We do. We sold our Madison Square Garden, and Chris Rock came to the show. He had uh season seats at Madison Square Garden and Jamie Foxx came that night in the hallway and they were saying man what y'all doing man y'all rock stars rock stars that's back when Jamie was had just made it a conscious decision that he was going to be the black Hugh Hefner so he had uh 12 girls with him that was going to be in the calendar and he came to us and said bros we're going to put these girls out here in the calendar I said bro you I'm already on the verge. Hey man, hey, I can't. You got to get them I away. To, I, get them I, away. Yeah, but I, at the time, you know, I was open to that. So <laughs> I was looking at these 12 girls going, this could lead to the second divorce. And it did. I really wish I hadn't saw Jamie. Oh, Denver. God damn well, it, Jamie, Jamie. Jamie, man, came backstage. Chris Rock was there. And that when Chris Rock said, man, Y'all like rock stars. He said, man, I can't even sit in my seat. I got season seats. They sold all of them. And that's when it first started dawning on me, man, are we this, really this big? Because this is rock, man. Bigger than black. Rock was a bad boy. You know, and and, and just hearing it from him, I started thinking, I said, man, this is something. Because when you're in it, you know, Kev, you don't really, you don't really know. And hearing you bring it back, it was like, it became such a, event to come see us man it was yes craziness man. Hey, just just think about it like this what do you get dressed up for when you get dressed it's it's you're going somewhere you, there's a <laughs> there's something attached to the reason behind your outfit and your day <laughs> yeah you looking nice you guys were the event Mm. People went out and bought clothes. <laughs> they did, Ken. They went and bought clothes to go see y'all. People got their hair done. Yeah, Ken. They got new shoes, new coat. Like, <laughs> do, do you do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> 
Do you understand what I'm saying? It was the kings are coming to town. Man. The kings are coming. Do you just listen to the to the verbiage attached? The kings are coming here. They chose us. When you when when I sit back and I watch that movie, which I've watched several fucking times, the best part of it is when the people are talking about how crazy this thing was. Wow. Man, we can't wait. Oh my God. You see, the, they had on suits. Bruh, it was Ali Frazier, the way they used to dress. When Frank Lucas came in that chinchilla coat Jesus. In, 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 in the movie that Denzel was in, right? Yes, it was American that. Dog, Jesus. they came dressed up. They was, Steve, I'm wearing, I'm wearing what you got on. Yeah. Yeah. Dog. I, man, we were wearing suits. I wore one time, one time I had on a pink suit with white pinstripes in it. And a dude, and I was in DC. The dude said, I got a tailor. Steve, tomorrow I'm coming in there. And he came back the next night. He had pink suit on, white pinstripes. Oh my God. It, it was crazy, man. It was like one of the coolest things. And then the camaraderie, man, sitting backstage with said, who is my best friend in this business, man, and DL. And the great Bernie Mac. Nobody mm -hmm. wanted to follow Bernie, man. Mm -hmm. Nobody, because it was such. When Bernie went out on stage, man, we would all sit in director's chairs backstage to watch him because we used to call it the human train wreck. Bernie would go on stage, man. And you ain't know, because he never did the set the same way. Bernie would do jokes that was so graphic, his language and his bravado. One night, he he's had all the pastors stand up in the crowd. And we're sitting there, we're going, what the hell is Bernie finna do? And he said, we got the preachers in here. What the preachers are, son? Some of the preachers. And they all stood up and said, look at this bullshit. We tired of standing up in church. Turn to your neighbor. Oh, no, turn your fucking neighbor no more. I, I said, wait a minute, man. He he stood the preachers up to cuss them out. Hold on, Bernie, you can't cuss the preachers out. Bernie Mac stood the preachers up to tell him he don't want to turn to his neighbor in service. He don't want to shake his neighbor's hand. He don't want to recite nothing. And he had them pastors stand up for about six minutes. Man. <laughs> the audience couldn't breathe, man. And we stand there and watch this dude. And we had cigar culture, man. We bought cigars every night to the show. We used to exchange cigars and we would get fined for smoking indoors, man. But we was making so much money, Kev. We would send the fine to the city before we got there. We would mail in the smoking fine because we're going to smoke, man. Looking, looking back at that, right? Mm -hmm. Looking back at that, especially now. You go and you look at where we are now and then you go and look back at that moment. Is it surreal to you that you were a part of such greatness, such history? I mean, that's that's history. You know, man, it is. It's one of my fondest memories in comedy. Mm. It's one of the greatest things that happened to me in this business. It launched, it threw Bernie's career into the stratosphere. Mm -hmm. You know, me and Sid, we were on the Steve Harvey show. And it wasn't really the Steve Harvey show. It was really the Steve and Sid show, man. Sid was such an integral part. If it wasn't for Sid Entertainer, I'm not Steve Harvey today. Mm -hmm. I, I, I tell you I'm not, man. That dude was so 
entrenched into all my success. You think about it, man. I met Sid in like 90, 91, when he got canceled at a white comedy club called The Funny Bone, and I had a black room in Dallas, Texas, and a dude named Percy Cruz said, my buddy in St. Louis got put off a job. Can he come over and audition for you? I bought Sid over that night, Sid killed. I bought him back a week later and made Sid the headliner, paid him $1,000. He had never had $1,000. After that, me and Sid became friends. So you look at the, you look at the Steve Harvey show, which was purely me and said, you look at the Kings of Comedy, which was purely me and said, those two things, along with us touring side by side, it's about one of the most integral pieces to my success, man. This mm. dude was, do you know, man, I've been with this dude, man, since the first time I met said was like 90, something like that. You know, man, we've never had a disagreement. Wow. We've never fell out for a moment. I don't care, man, if I don't call him for three months, man. He reach out, oh, need to holler at you. What up, Bell? And we go at it. We we have a friendship, man, that's really, really different, man. And so I, I owe a lot to Cedric the Entertainer, man. I would not be who I am today if it wasn't for that dude. That's insane. And I mean, he gave you the same, the same level of love and respect. Uh, you know, Sed's biggest thing was looking back at that moment. I asked him, I said, if there were things that you could do, do better or change, are there things that you would have done to try to savor that moment more? And he said, the thing that I wish is that we all respected it and, and saw how great it was. He said, Man. when we were in it, he said, I don't think we actually realized. Yeah how great it was because it was, it was so fast. He said, Kev, you know, it's so fast. He said, it's, it's happening so fast. The Kings of comedy, we going and we torn and we keep going. And, you know, he said, of course there's egos and there's things that happen and, you know, shit start to change as you grow. But yeah. when you look at it and we realize we walked away from it, you know, now he said, looking back, it's like, God damn, man, what if we didn't? Bro, we it didn't? would have been the Kings of comedy. After the movie, had we stayed together, I I don't know what would have happened, man. But everybody had had became so successful that we all went our separate ways. We each and, each of you became lead singers, which is unreal yeah, to me. And, but it kind of hurt because you know now the white boys wanted a piece of that, right? So mm -hmm. Jeff Foxworthy, Bill Ingvall, Ron White, and uh and Larry the Cable guy. They got together and they formed Blue Collar, Blue -collar Tour. Mm -hmm. And they said in an article, we going to top all the numbers that the Kings have. Well, that was like to us, like a threat. Mm -hmm. You know, we, you know, you know, man, we black dudes. You're not fitting to outsell us. And they mm -hmm. didn't. And mm -hmm. they didn't come close because for us, we were a part of the culture. Like you were saying early, man, we were the event of events. I don't know if white folks could have an event like we had because we endeared ourselves to black folks. We, we like, like, man, like we was they dudes. Mm. That's Uncle Steve, Uncle Sid, Uncle Bernie, and Uncle D. And they come into town. It's and they the kings, man. And we honor them that way. And Sid is right, man. I wish, looking back on it, man, I had knew what it was then. 
how big we were. Do you know in Polestar Magazine, Kev, for three years, the only thing walking on earth that sold more tickets than us was the Rolling Stones. And 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 when I tell you, <laughs> Stones, when man. I tell you, Unc, not only do I know it, I've, I've known it and it's been jaw-dropping to me. It's been jaw-dropping to me. It, and the, the reason why, one thing I said, and I, and I really hope my listeners, man, I, I tell you guys, I'm doing this for me. I'm not doing this because I'm like, yo, yeah, I gotta fucking do it. I got, I got some, I got some yeah. shit that I gotta do. The real reason behind this, when I tell you that there's hmm. so much shit that you not only don't know that you just won't understand because you you can't fathom, you can't, you can't, you can't conjure up the 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 same level of thinking that the people that partake in this craft do and have done. Like it's, Mm. I look at the history that you guys have made, but you created four stars, four black men that became stars in the business that didn't allow black men to become stars often. Except one at a time. One at a, that's Steve. That's what I'm telling you. One at a time. Eddie, was one at a time. Bill Cosby was one at a time. When Sinbad came out, it was bad, man. Sinbad was the dude. And now it's reverted back to that. You that cat, man. You that cat. All right, guys, we got to pay some more bills. Let's take a quick commercial break. I hate to stop. I hate it. It really bothers me when I have to stop the flow of such great conversations. But unfortunately, in this case, we do. We'll be back. Don't go nowhere. More. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Comedy Gold Mines with Kevin Hart after this. This is Comedy Gold Mines, hosted by Kevin Hart. We're back, bitch. I told you we was coming back. You thought I was lying. The conversation is heavy, but in a good way. Still talking to Steve Harvey. Steve. Hey, man, let me tell you something. The, the thing about the Kings was, and this is what I wish for you, man. I wish you could find two other dudes, man, that y'all could go out and with and with the power, you, you, you're so huge right now. It, it, it would be, but you know what it was, man, is we made each other greater. Look, mm-hmm. man, if you got to go on stage and Sid just got through, your ass got to have it together, man. Mm-hmm. You DL, DL got to go out here behind Sid. Mm-hmm. Man, DL got to bring it. But I got to come out here behind each one of them. I ain't got time to be out here soft shoeing. Mm-hmm. Now we was they was out there laying four inches of tar on that stage. Wet <laughs> black ass tar, and your ass was next. You come out there with your little shoes shining if you want to. You gotta step in this sticky shit and it's steaming. Hey man, it was hard as work, man. Bernie Bernie walk off and there is no stage. It's disintegrated. He done burnt the monitors down. He, we used to have, hey man, when Bernie would finish, we took a 30 minute intermission because we got to go go think of something else, man, or this show going to be ruined. So we had to, (laughs) (laughs) 
He's hating people. Bro. Y'all got to go outside and go think of something. Go no. do something. Go pee, get back. your drink, stand in line, so I can have a chance. Jesus Christ. It was that, man. And like, you know, like, like the tour right now, the kings of today are the three giants of the comedy world, which is you, Chappelle, and Rock that's alive and could actively do it today. The Kings today is you, Chappelle, and Rock. Could you imagine that? Do you know what that is? It's dog, insane. It's all insane. three, dog, cause Chappelle right now, dog. He's, oh he's, he's on a different, he's on a different. And you know why? Somewhere else. Because, see, you have sponsors. You got, you got stuff you got to tend to. You can't be out here just saying say any it. damn thing. I can't say it. You got a movie career, dog, you, you, you work with, uh, gay people, you work with all types of people. You got, you mm -hmm. got a career, you got family to take care of. Chappelle has no sponsors. Chappelle, when I watched his special, I was in Africa when I pulled it up on Netflix and saw it, and it was his second one, and he opened the door and he said, uh, you know, the, the community, I have to apologize to the community, I offended a lot of people. And when he started that, I said, oh, okay. And then he went and started ripping them harder. Yeah. I couldn't breathe, man. Yeah. And one lady uh, heard it and heard me talking about it and said, how could you laugh at something like that? He was talking about people. But see, that's what comedy is, man. And now you all, other thing that you all have is political correctness has killed it for y'all. Mm -hmm. We got away with a lot more back then than y'all can now. Yeah, you, if you go watch The Kings now, and you go look at Bernie's set. You're like, woo. Uh -uh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> look at your face. Ooh. Ooh. Hey, Ooh. Bernie was talking about the disabled yeah. dude driving yeah. the bus. Yeah, Bernie, if you go watch Bernie's little, set, the you little go, gay cousin mm -hmm. with cookies. Uh-uh. Yeah. But you can't do nothing. I don't want no making thing. cookies. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, a, it's Bernie. If you go what watch Bernie's set. What your bitch ass talking about? Oh, man. Oh, Bernie. Slow up. Easy, Bernie. Hey, get back. Bernie, you Easy, Bernie. <laughs> I remember one time a gay dude stood up and said, I don't appreciate this part of the set. My man, for 15 minutes, Bernie dismantled this dude. He mm. left after five. Bernie did him walking out of the theater. Bernie did the dude that was with him. He did the whole row for sitting next to him. Bernie, man, was out there just... And you know, we're in the back going, Bernie, Bernie, we're on tour, we have a sponsor. Bernie didn't care. And you know what, man? They was dying. They were dying laughing. Our you can't do legend. any of that today, man. No, no. None of it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't fly. It wouldn't fly. How does Steve Harvey end up as, I'm, I'm gonna say, I mean, it's, it's a conversation. It's definitely a conversation. He's America's greatest host. I mean, right now, when you talk about putting him anywhere and he shines, I mean, I've seen you on, you can go to New Year's Eve and you can drop the ball in Times Square. You can go family feud. You can go and deal with kids and watch kids say some of the craziest shit and interact with these kids. You can go to a pageant and you can go and be the judge of Miss, Miss Universe, Miss America, whatever it is. Say the wrong name. Yeah, well, you definitely give said out the wrong, the wrong crown and come back. It came back from it. 
came <sighs> back from it. Painful came back from it. Painful. I didn't know the pain I was in. I didn't know how bad the mistake was. Because you don't realize I, it until until till other people start to talk talk the next morning. Yeah. You know, I knew it was bad when it happened, but it and, and really it wasn't my fault. So I like I, I was tripping, man. Well, I, I wish I hadn't took the bullet like I did, but I'm an intelligent guy. I went mm -hmm. to rehearsal. And we only rehearsed two names. They decided when we, they bought the pageant from Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. So they decided that instead of going, the second runner up is, and the first runner up is, and then Miss Universe is. Well, it's anticlimactic after you say the first runner up, because now we know who it is. So when they bought the pageant, they cut it off. They said, we'll announce the second runner up, and then we'll have standing there the first runner up in Miss Universe, and we'll do it that way. Well, the lady that did the show when Trump owned it, she decided on the night of, after two days of rehearsal, I'm putting the third name on there. And they printed it on the card. Well, in the teleprompter, after I announced the second runner up, the teleprompter said, and the new 2015 <laughs> Miss Universe is, the mm. dude in my ear said, read the next name on the card, Steve. Hold, hold, hold. <laughs> I look at the next card. I said, Miss, Miss Columbia. Oh, that white no. boy said, good job, Steve. Go in the back. I go all the way in the back. <laughs> I'm sitting there, and the black dude that I have doing all my shows came to me and said, big dog. You said the wrong name. I said, man, the fuck you talking about? I didn't say the wrong name. I read the name that was on the fucking card. He said, man, they put a third name on the card. I said, bitch, ain't nobody told me. Hold up. Hold up. No, dog. I'm really back there cussing at these people. So I said, I'm going to go out here and fix it. They said, no, Steve, we'll straighten it out tomorrow morning in the newspaper. I said, that's bullshit, dog. This lady deserve her crown. I took my stupid ass back out there. <laughs> I should have let them announce it the next day. I wouldn't have caught none of the hell I caught. I took my stupid ass back out there and I said, hey, I made a mistake. I really didn't make no damn mistake. Oh, I God. did what they told me in my ear and I read the teleprompter. I took the card out there and showed the third name that they handed to me from the stage. But I had my thumb on it. It wasn't no third name. Read the next name on the card and that was it. And after that, man, I went to the press conference and the Colombian reporter was there from Colombia. And uh -huh. that little dude, me and him, you know, it got real hood after a while because, you know, I, I said, I'm sorry three times. How could you make such a mistake? This is the stupidest thing that's ever happened. I said, hey, man, you know, one more time call me stupid. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to tear this tux off and let me show you some cleavage. Because I still got hands, dog. And I don't really think you can whip me with your little fat, fluffy ass. So <laughs> pound your punk ass senseless because I'm hurting. And you then I ran up, and the next morning, man, when I woke up, man, my wife took me to dinner and said, baby, it's all right. Man, when I woke up the next morning, it was everywhere. It was the headline in every country. And it was the worst week of my life, man, in the show business. I mean, man, them boys was driving by my house. I lived in Atlanta, had a little gate in front of my house. They was throwing rocks over the gate with notes on it. You know, they was calling me names. You know, I can't, I don't know Spanish, but I, I know punta something. Is, <laughs> you know, they you, call you punta a lot of yeah, times. Yeah, you got an idea of it. Yeah, I got, I know, I know that ain't good because it was punta in all the notes and <laughs> all the Texas and <laughs> punta. Okay, 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 punta. I don't know what that is, but I figure that's kind of funky. So that it's, happened. It's, but after it, that, man, uh, I got a, a 
Super Bowl commercial off of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, 14 countries gave me villas to come as being the most honest person they've ever seen. I've been all over this world with free villas and, you know, I just hung in there. And then the next year we had the highest ratings ever because everybody was tuning in to see what the fuck see, I was going to say. Do it again. See, yeah, let me say. But all the girls was happy because all of them knew they had a chance of being Miss Universe at least for a couple of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't let us get out of here without mentioning one of the most innovative things uh, that, you, that you've done, man. I got to just talk about the Hoodie Awards and and what the Hoodie Awards were. Man, that was your gig, Kate. Man, Steve. <laughs> Steve. For my listeners, Steve used to do this thing called the Hoodie Awards. And what it was, it was highlighting uh some of the some of like you when you think when you talk about barbershops you talk about uh you know soul food restaurants you talk about hair salons you talk about car washes you know when you're talking about our culture and you revert to the hood well there's so many businesses and so many things that are a part of our cultures every day so steve put an award show together to give these people their just due. He put an award show together where they got to dress up, come to Vegas and win awards, give speeches, and it was the dopest shit ever. And he he had every fucking comedian Man. come down to be a part of this and simply take the stage and, you know, you would introduce the category, but when comedians got up there, they were allowed to be comedians. And when I tell you, Steve... <laughs> Some of the best, some of the most fun that I've ever had as a comedian was on that stage Kevin, of the Hoodie Awards. One night you were doing a category, and uh, I don't know how the person got up there and was thanking too many people, and your ass was standing there <laughs> and giving him the award, and you was waiting on it. And when his ass walked away from you. You imitated this dude for 20 minutes. <laughs> it was and the hoodie award. Crying, acting like you had won the award. And you started screaming at the top of your lungs. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. I kept I saying said, it. Man, hold up, though. You said that so many times. The hoodie audience, man, was like I'm, nothing I'd ever heard, man. I said, this dude is special. And you came through. It was like your gig. You would come through year after year. I said, did you, and you know what, Kev, you know, now that you mentioned that, you know, I haven't done it in years. Mm-hmm. You know what we should do, me and you? Because you have, um, your social media following is like, I want to say a word, but there's, you can't say that anymore. It starts with an R-E. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to say that anymore. Ridiculous. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> it had a T in it, but I'm, they told me I can't say that no more. But it, it, it is Re- ridiculous. There you go. And look, man, if me and you would throw it, because I have a way of throwing it uh, without using the radio anymore, but throw it on social media, that we could bring that back nationally. Listen to me. in Vegas, get some big sponsors. Oh, you, you got yourself a candidate. Steve, it was the best. It was literally, it was one of the most creative things that I've ever seen. And more importantly, I love that you just gave, you gave the culture an opportunity to be noticed and celebrate it like it was it was something that was you know it was it was it was for us it was for yeah. us and i and i and i love i love that it was it was such a positive energy attached to it i'm gonna give you one more funny story about it you had a villa 
And MC Hammer was the talent that oh, you man, hold up, dog. You fit to do that, man. <laughs> I, you tell me, you say, Kev, you come down. You know, we got hammer here tomorrow. Now, you say that we were at Mandalay Bay, we yeah. were on the beach club in Mandalay Bay. Steve told me he had MC Hammer coming without knowing that I was one of the biggest MC Hammer fans in the world. I said, Who you got? He said, Hammer. I said, You shitting me. I said, You are shitting me. He said, No, man. We got him. Yeah. He said, Oh, well, you uh, what, can, can I can I watch? He yeah. said, Yeah, come on, man. You come to the villa, hang out. Man, I had on a wife beater. I'll never fucking forget it. I had a wife beater and jeans and some and some chucks because I was going dance with him. Oh, listen to me. You don't understand, man. <laughs> Pump it up. Too legit to quit. Come on. Oh, listen, you don't understand, man. Don't hurt him, hammer. That was <laughs> That you're talking about my teenage years, <laughs> man. And this is no disrespect. Yeah, MC come Hammer. On. If MC Hammer hear this, Hammer, I I I love and I I, I appreciate you. <laughs> God damn it, you're a legend in the game. But I got to tell you about this one fucking show, Hammer. Hammer, come out. <laughs> Hammer did a song. Hammer was out of breath. I remember he was out of breath. <laughs> And I was like, what the fuck? Mama Steven said, what the fuck is going on here? When are you going to do this? And he was, he was, he was like directing the people. Go ahead, go, ahead, go, 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 pump it up. <laughs> I was so, I was so hurt. Kevin, you were so hurt. I was so fucking hurt. You was hanging over the edge of that railing. <laughs> come on, Hammer, come on. Come on, Hammer, what you doing, man? Do the he got at least do the typewriter. Go across the stage one time. He ain't did the running man or nothing, uh -uh. Steve. He no, just no, hammer. No. Hammer came out there, man. He just wrapped them songs and got the fuck out of there. And I tell you, a, a tear almost came down <laughs> my fucking face, man. No, no, I had to hold you that night. <laughs> Kev, we, Kev we talked. So, I remember we sat and talked. I said, Kev, come on, man. You, it's all right, man. And, you know, just he just had one of them nights. Um, I came down here. He didn't do none he of kept it. Passing out roses. He, yeah, remember he was giving out the. Hey man, but you remember he walked off and the dancer stayed out there for yes. ten minutes. Yeah, and then I said, "Oh, he coming back, man. Don't even worry about that." Never came back. And he never came back. Motherfucker never day. came back. And they, and they danced. They came out in the water and danced in the water. <laughs> That's money I paid him. Fucking hammer, man. Hammer, I love you. I'm still one of your biggest fans. You hurt me that day, though. I'm telling you, Chuck's a wife beater in jeans. I, I no. was ready for action. I was no. ready for whatever, for whatever they had to present. Hey, man, um, and, and, and Hammer's a good dude, too. He is. He's such a good-ass dude, man. He's became to my rescue a lot of times, man. Hammer thug, too. That's why I had to make sure I, I prefaced it well. You know, yeah. Hammer, I don't want you. I don't want no smoke. I don't want no hammer smoke, you know. <laughs> I already know you from hammer, yeah. Oakland. I don't want the problems from you. Oh, he's straight. He good yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Can't yeah, mess yeah, with him. Yeah, no, no, no. You can't. You hey, can't man, fuck with hammer. You know, Kale. We had a lot of things, man. Um, I I thank God, man, uh, for cats like you who are not afraid to reinvent yourself because that is the key to success: is reinvention. You can't do anything forever. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing lasts forever. You can't do nothing forever. So change is inevitable. So I always tell people, change is inevitable. 
you can react to the change or you can participate in the change. And people like you, man, myself, have found a way to participate in the change. It's going to come. They're going to cancel a show. They're going to stop calling you for all the movies. They're going to no longer want to pay to see you do stand up. You know, your life going to change. You ain't going to mm. do that. What you've done, man, and the very smart thing is you've had the ability that I've been very proud to watch uh, and reinvent yourself over and over and over again Thank to you. where you have an empire. I mean, bro, I can't go nowhere, man. You know, I'm in Africa, man. I bought the uh, Global Rights for Family Feud. I'm in Africa. I'm in UAE working. Wow. Everywhere I go, your name is there. I met a guy, I talked to him for a long time from Nigeria. He used to be in the Senate in Nigeria and I was talking to him for a long time. And all of a sudden he said he was with Silverbird. And next thing I know, he said, yeah, do you know Kevin Hart? And I said, yeah, Kevin, my boy. Uh, his office is in the building that I'm in. And I went, what? <laughs> what the hell you mean? His, I ain't, he got office where? In Los Angeles, in the building I'm in. I said, what? And then I was in Africa, man. They was talking about I said, Kevin was over here. He was talking to the film commission. What? <laughs> well, I'm at the film commission. I, the, every time I look up, I said, man, this dude right here is global, man. You are a global movie star. Let me ask you something, man. Mm -hmm. This is an interesting question. Did you see this for yourself at the level that you are at now? I don't, I don't think I knew that this level existed. Come on, man. That's what I need to hear. I didn't, I didn't know that this level existed. And now that I'm, now that I'm in it, there are holy shit moments. <laughs> yeah. There are holy shit moments, but I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just blown away that God chose me. Mm. I'm blown away that God said, I'm, I'm going to give you this thing and by this thing, this talent, and I'm going to see if you can figure it out. Mm. And I bust my ass in trying to figure it out. And the rewards that have come from figuring it out. But Kev, thing. God gives you this because he finds out he can trust you. Mm. See, those of us that he gives this thing called grace to, this, this is the spiritual side of me. So mm -hmm. this thing that he gives us called grace, his unmerited, grace is his unmerited favor. It's his unmerited favor is you can't do nothing. You can't purchase grace. You can't, you can't, you can't wish for it. You, you can't earn it. Grace is unmerited favor. What God has done for you, man, he has given you this grace, but he has grown to learn to trust you. You've made some mistakes along the way. I've made some mistakes along the way. Because you got grace or fame and money, it don't exclude you from mistakes. We are all imperfect creatures. But what we do is he watches us as we make the mistakes do we learn from them. Mm -hmm. And he allows us to exist. And then people start talking about he's so lucky he should be gone. You know, hold up, hold up. No, 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 no. All of us technically should be gone if it's based on our actions and deeds. But because God gives us favor, mm -hmm. 
And favor ain't fair, but he gives you more of it when he can trust you. And right now, Kevin, he trusts you a lot because you're a good dude, man. You have a philanthropic spirit, man. You're a family man. You know, look, man, we got to get it right, man. You know, look, man, I'm on my third marriage. You understand? I mean, bro, I done done some things, man. And so you you don't get here without, you don't get this high up at the pyramid with, without, without getting knocked off the wall a bunch mm-hmm. of times. And it's just fortunate, man, to see a guy like you, man, and you're a living example for people that you can get it wrong and still get it oh so right. Wow. And that's the amazing thing, man. And I watched you, man, and just, you, you, you take your shit, you own it, you wear it, you recover, and you keep going. You were talking about me. Well, you, man, you that dude, Kevin. That's why I'm doing this podcast with you, because I don't do a lot of these, man. I'm real. Like, I did one with a rabbi yesterday, man, a really heavy dude, man. But I don't do a lot of these. I did one with Robert Smith. I picked the people I come on here with, because, you know, mm-hmm. you can't tell them. Like, I used to could get out of events, because by the time you pay for the jet and give me my fee, you ain't going to want me know how. Mm-hmm. And so I get to stay home sometime. Well, this didn't change the game, because, like, I really don't have on a suit right now. I really don't. <laughs> you don't have on pants. No, I got this jacket on and this shirt, <laughs> but you don't want to see what's up under here, dog. I just sit my ass down. Just <laughs> and now... So everybody got a podcast and a damn Zoom, but I'm doing Kevin's because, man, you are important to the culture, man. My God. Dog, like right now in comedy, you what Kobe is to the culture of basketball. In comedy, you're the culture right now. You and Dave Chappelle. My days of standing on stage as a stand-up comedian, they're done. But I knew it was time for me to move on. My last show on stage was August August 12th, 2012. Wow. I've been gone eight years now. Wow. And I sold out the MGM Gardens in Vegas. And it was such an emotional moment for me, man, because I never saw myself not walking out as a stand-up ever again. Mm. But I knew God was taking me somewhere else, man. And I became, like you say, this host of hosts. And if I was uh, doing stand-up, man, I would ruin being the host of hosts. Because what I would say on stage, I would not be on Family Feud. Trust Mm -hmm. and believe. I can't Mm -hmm. say what I was saying on stage Mm -hmm. and be in kids' shows, little big shots, and talking to pageant people. They were, we're not hiring him for that. Mm -hmm. But I saw God changing me, man. And you've, you've done the same thing, brother. And your spiritual side, is coming through because, man, you have to, your relationship with God got to be something special because, dog, what he done kept you through. Yeah. How, how you feel about that? I don't know you interviewing I, me, but. No, what are you talking, talking about? This, to this, is what the, this is what the conversation is about. What huh? is it, Kev? Look, man, you, you know what you've been through. Mm-hmm. What's the spiritual side of you coming through the other side of all of this? The, the spiritual side of me has grown. Because you realize that you're getting tapped on the shoulder, right? <laughs> Come on, man. You get you getting tapped on the shoulder. So you know you're there's a moment there's a moment that I feel like we all have when we experience success, and it's weird because you start to use the 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 word I so much. I I I I I I just did. I I'm going to do. I I I I and you really you really mind fuck yourself. 
into thinking that you're in control. <laughs> you really mind fuck yourself into thinking that you're in control. And my first shoulder tap, you know, we don't have to get into, you know, the 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 number mm-hmm. of shoulder yeah, taps. Let's just that. say that, yeah. you know, I got one of my shoulders was sore because because he just, the taps that got harder. You yeah, know, yeah, he, he actually snatched one of my yeah, one, yeah, he, oh, yeah. one of them. I think one of them was a punch. One of them was <laughs> yeah. one of them in, in your teeth, kid. Yeah, one of them was a punch for yeah. sure. But I realized you're only gonna get so many, and these taps that you're getting hmm. are 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 telling you there's better things to focus on mm. there's there's more to life than what you're seeing mm. and you're not praising the right things you're not prioritizing right the right things so once i was able to see oh sh- god you're not playing with me i'm <laughs> i i god all right i get it i yeah. get it now, now I'm not the, you know, I'm not, I'm not the guy that's going to, you know, read the Bible front to back. That's not me, mm-hmm. but I am the guy that understands, you know, it's time for me to, to, to not only give thanks, but to truly understand mm-hmm. the value of what I believe in. And that is God. So let me stop acting as if <laughs> I do give, I do give cause I'm, I'm not, and I haven't been. Mm-hmm. Oh shoot! And it's not just God. It's it's. Let me stop just saying that I'm a family man and actually make sure mm. that I'm prioritizing wow. my family. Okay, I see what you're doing, God. Mm-hmm. I see. I see why you are sitting me down repeatedly. I see mm-hmm. what you're getting me to see, and now that I see it, I won't make the same mistakes. Right. So so for me, yeah. it, it was more about the understanding of what was going on and not being blind mm-hmm. to, to these not coincidental moments. Cause mm-hmm. at first you're like, man, it's just coincidence. Ain't shit. It's, it is what it is. I'd be all right. People fuck up all the time. And you got this weird attitude about it. And, and I had to, I had to truly sit down. I had to truly sit down, man. And for, for lack of a better way to say it, have a conversation with myself mm-hmm. and a conversation with God. Like, okay, where's yeah. just you. It ain't nobody there, but you. Yeah, yeah. You sit there and you go, hey, okay, all right, I get it. I'm I'm going, I'm 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 well aware, and I truly do see what I believe that you're trying to make me see. Mm. Now you get into this relationship of well, I can't trick you. Ain't no ain't no mm. BS in you, ain't no fast talking you, right. ain't no manipulating you. Right. What I say to you, I gotta do, or else. Me and you got an issue because and, now, what, what, like, am I, mm, am I there with myself? And am the I wrong there? one to have an issue with? Yeah, I don't want that problem. <laughs> I don't want that problem. So let me just let me just grow up, man. Let me grow up. KFC, you man, hearing this, I, I, I like this man because, like, you know, with everything I do, man, before I leave, I try to give people a nugget. You know, because what I what I learned, man, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to let you go because I know you're rapping. Here we go. This is what I had to come to terms with. Your career is what you paid for. Your calling is what you made for. See, you more than jokes. I'm more than jokes. Mm. God gives us this for another reason. 
you know, we, we got to tell some people that, look, man, I messed up. I slipped and fell. I tripped. I almost blew it. But I asked for forgiveness. He gave it to me and he let me keep rolling. Because everybody make mistakes, man. People, people need to hear from people like me and you. you now, people are thinking that. Look at him. He got all this. Man, they don't know what it takes to have this. Mm -hmm. This ain't free. To whom mm -hmm. much is given, much is required. This ain't no easy, man. There ain't no book on fame. I don't get to sit and talk to nobody. Okay, man, so when I do this, what's going to happen? Because it ain't happened to the majority of people I know. This, the level you at now, Kev, who you going to go talk to about it mm -hmm. while, while it's in the process of happening? Okay, who you going to go? Denzel? Well, it didn't already happen. Who you going to go talk to? Will? It already happened. Mm -hmm. When you call me, it's already happened. People don't understand the pain of this right here. That is way more than you think it is, man. And to hear you have a spiritual side is to, is to send a message to your, to your followers, man. That, hey, man, maybe I need to start getting in touch with my creator, man. Maybe I need to holler at him a little bit more, see what's, mm. what's there right there. Because cause that them shoulder taps, everybody get them. Yes. Everybody get them. Now, you you don't pay attention to the shoulder taps, he'll snatch your ass up. Okay, keep on. And next thing you know, oh, you ain't listening, the next one going to be in your teeth. Mm -hmm. And I done got him in the teeth, man. He took everything from me. Everything I valued, man. He stripped me down to nothing, set me in a car for three years. Mm. I'll show you, little boy. Yeah. Grew up in the church, mama was a Sunday school teacher, and you're going to ride around here. You got women everywhere, and you think you're finna do what you want to do? Oh, no, partner, I got something for you. I'm going to fix it where you can't even get a date. Mm. Hey, come over to my place. I live in the car for three <laughs> years. I couldn't invite a girl to my house because I, I was driving in it. <laughs> he, he took me, he said, I'm finna show your ass So, Oh, uh, you like women? Watch this, watch this. Watch right. this. Get one with your homeless ass. I'm gonna show you how the numbers gonna go down. Watch Brother. This. And then he did it again. And I, he did it to me twice. He took everything from me in 205. 2005, man. All them shows I had, Kings of Comedy, at the end of 2005, man, they had stole from me, Kevin. I had $1,700 in September of 2005, $1,700. People tell me, that's a lot of money. Not when you didn't had millions, it ain't. And I built it all up. And then Marjorie came into my life, boy, and that was the, that was it, man. That chick skyrocketed me, man. And me and her, we've been going ever since. And so I just wanted to say that I love you, brother. Appreciate everything you are. I love you back. Uh, and I, I'm telling you, man, one of the most powerful conversations that I've had since I've been doing this. And this is the reason why I do it. Ladies and gentlemen, today you had the privilege of jumping inside the mind of the legend himself, Mr. Steve Harvey. It doesn't get much better. It doesn't get more real. It doesn't get more transparent. Honestly, the level of passion that the man speaks with, it really is a testament to who he truly is as a person. Unc, I thank you. I appreciate you. I love you. And genuinely, 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 I'm giving you this right now because, God damn it, you deserve it. Hmm. Thank you for paving the way for young people like myself to do what I do and to be able to reach the level that I've reached. I wow. can't do it without you kicking through the fucking doors that you've kicked through. My man, I appreciate that. And I'm going like to say that. something I don't get to say no more because of I have a brand to tend to, 
this will probably go out, but I want to say it because I'm just talking to you, Kevin Hart. I'm still a bad motherfucker. Man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm that motherfucker. For yes, sir. Real. Yes, I'm that motherfucker. Man. Yes, sir. Yes. I just wanted to say it because yes. I'm just sitting here with another black ass yes. dude. Yes, thank you. Yes, in the sir. words of Sly and the Family Stone, I want to thank you for letting me be myself. Yes, sir. Again, I love you, boy. Love you back. Oh. Comedy Gold Mines is a serious XM and LOL audio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, and Eric. While with Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.